Hey, Amarillo. I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey, Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode is sponsored by Blue Handle Publishing. This locally owned indie publisher doesn't just have several great titles available for your summer reading, and all of them by local authors, including Charles D'Amico and Andrew Brandt, but it's also rolling out its brand new Book Puma Services platform designed to help authors refine their manuscripts and reinvent the way authors and editors interact. It's even being featured in the latest issue of Publishers Weekly. You can learn more about Book Puma and Blue Handle titles at bluehandlepublishing.com. Also, get your tickets now for the Hey Amarillo Beer Fest. It's July 31st at Starlight Ranch. You can sample beer from Amarillo and Texas Panhandle Breweries, followed by a concert from the best Def Leppard cover band in the nation. Tickets are available now at bit.ly slash beerfest21. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash beerfest21. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I also want to give a podcast shout out to Purpose and Passion Boutique. It's located in Wolfland Village. You can look up the shop online at purposeandpassionboutique.com. Today's guest is Ryan Colwell. Every once in a while, I interview someone who has ties to Amarillo, but uh, maybe is doing their thing from somewhere else. Well, that describes Ryan. He's from Perryton. He lived for several years in Amarillo before he moved to Nashville, where he pursued a career in the music industry, and he's been successful. He's known for his 2015 album Flatlands, which happens to have a song on it called Amarillo, as well as his 2018 album The Last American. He was gracious enough to give me some time while in Amarillo a couple of weeks ago. He had a show at the Golden Light. He came to my house. We recorded this before the show. And we talked about his time in the Panhandle. We talked about his career, his new single, Head Like a Hole, and how musicians like him weathered the pandemic. So here's Ryan Colwell. Ryan Colwell, welcome to the Amarillo Podcast. Thanks for being here. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Good. I'm I'm excited to have you. I'm I'm glad you. I I know when you, you know, drive into town, you've got a concert scheduled, all that stuff. You have a really hectic schedule. So thanks for carving out some time for me. I I do appreciate that. You're, you're very welcome. Yeah. I want to start this interview the same way I I start interviews with all of my guests and just ask you um, how you ended up in this area in the first place. I know you don't live here now, mm-hmm. but I know the Texas Panhandle is home for you. So, sure. so tell me kind of your story. Well, I was, I was born in Perryton, um, two hours north of here. So that's how I ended up here. I didn't have a choice. Um, and then, yeah, I, I went to school. I graduated um, high school, and I went to Alva, Oklahoma for a second in Northwestern Oklahoma State University, and I found out, like, maybe that's not exactly where I want to be, and a lot of my friends were at WT down here, so the next year I wound up down there, and then like a lot of people, you just hang around for a little bit, so I, then I spent a decade in Amarillo after that, and then since then I've moved on to Nashville. What did you study at WT? Uh, not much of anything. <laughs> uh, I was an econ major. I was, for a brief moment, the econ student of the year, and in that same time frame, I decided, you know, I want to rhyme and I want to write, and I, I think there's something to it, and it just kept calling out to me, so I started writing more and more, I started putting little bands together, writing songs, showing my friends, my friends would say it's good, and so I caught a wild hair, and um, I dropped all my classes except for some uh, weightlifting class. 
Okay. Just, the important ones then. Well, I really just your, wanted your to PE keep living credit. in the dorms and hanging out. And so it was a good place for me to be surrounded by people that were encouraging what I was doing. Um, I had a friend that was an RA in the building I was in and he had a really cool guitar. I had an okay guitar and he would, he was really encouraging. Anytime I played, he'd be like, Oh, this is amazing. And so I would, I wanted to be around those kind of guys that were, they were telling me what I needed to hear just yeah. to keep me going. So um, financially a really bad decision to live in the dorms and well, not really these, taking classes. Yeah. And then like I dropped all the classes like the day after you could you could get your money back, and so it was a very expensive way to <laughs> to keep the ball rolling, but it kind of turned into something. Did you end up graduating at all? Or oh, did no, you? I didn't. No, no, I went from being the guy for the econ stuff one year, and then I just dropped off the face of the earth, and I don't think I've ever even reached out and said, hey, thanks for the support, but I'm out. Yeah, I just no, nobody's checked on you. To nobody's see. nobody. I think they know, you know, this guy's floating a little bit. He'll be out of here soon. Um, so they wanted me in a suit, you know? Yeah. They, they were literally took me to some meetings and like this guy that's graduating this year is the, you know, he's kind of our flagship this year for the program to, you know, we're going to try to get him good job placement and look at how he looks. He's standing up straight and paying attention and he's got a suit on and he's interning over here and doing this and all this. And I'm like, I was up till four writing songs, sleeping on my desk and, and carrying a good average, but not, not playing the part. And so when I left, I think they saw it coming, you know, was, was music a part of your childhood? I mean, did you yeah. play or take lessons or anything like that? Oh, no, it was cooler than that. My dad just had, my dad uh, worked in the oil field. Um, he retired a few years ago. Um, but he just had a lot of, he, he loved music. He always just wanted to play. So uh, our living room was kind of subdivided by this couch. And behind the couch, there was five guitars and a bass amp, and a keyboard, a little PA. So it was just everything you needed to to make music. And I was told, don't touch this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And so, of course, I touched it. It was the best thing that could have happened um, to ignite whatever that is in you that wants to do whatever your dad tells you not to do, and that's how I fell in love with music. I was always surrounded by it. My dad was always playing cool records and cool tapes at that point, you yeah. know, and we were cruising around listening to music, and and then he put me on to some cool music, and I started following my own threads instead of his, and, and they they always encouraged it. I When I say they didn't, said, don't touch the stuff. He was more like, don't break the stuff. Okay. But they always encouraged what I was doing. And and my mom played piano at the church. I mean, I think it's it's kind of a typical story for songwriters. Like, you know, dad had some interest in music. Mom played at church. And I'm what I'm doing kind of crosses both of those rivers a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just being exposed to it, though, is, is yeah. often enough. To, yeah. Tell me, once you started to figure out in college that... Uh, Economics was not your future, uh, yeah. but you were into songwriting. You were into performing. What did the next few years look like after that point? Just wandering, you know, and just giving myself the freedom to do that. And never really liked working a straight job that much, but I got one. And it was the minimal. It was, it was like working, a, putting dirt in a pot for a nursery, you know. Okay. Um, just whatever it takes to pay rent, keep writing songs and met some guys, you know, like the RA who was encouraging me, you know, his brother was a really cool guy who played bass and um, 
moved in with him and he's in another band. So we're just always talking about that kind of stuff. And so it just kind of meandered around. And at some point we had a band, the band broke up. That's what happened is we had a band and we were on to some cool stuff, but it, there were two lead singers. And like any band with two lead singers, it's not going to work yeah. out. Um, the other guy's really talented. His name is Ian Ferguson. But two different visions, band breaks up. Um, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's kind of like the, the easiest way to say it. Um, but we had had, it's, it's fantastic. We had had like 30 shows. We're going to go. My, my buddy Seth Wick was playing bass. Okay. And Seth was going to go with us as soon as he graduated. Because the rest of us were like, school, what are you talking about? Seth is smarter than we are. So he yeah. was like, I'm going to graduate. Y'all can pretend this is a big deal, but I'm going to get a degree. So as soon as he graduated, we were supposed to go play all these shows. And we're like, we're in the big thing in our head is we got a show in Austin. We got this and that. And our wonderful friend, his name is Brent Buffalo Head, who is no longer with us, but he had booked all these shows. Well, it comes to find out he had booked two shows. And so... Uh, what we thought just wasn't. And then the band broke up for, you know, for a lot of reasons. Like I said, two lead singers and no shows. Yeah, to you. Nah, but me it. and Seth had procured my parents' van. And so we were young and we owned shorts and flip-flops and cowboy hats. And we drove across Texas for two or three weeks just just exploring in my parents' van. I don't think we ever turned the air conditioner on. We never wore a shirt while we were driving. We had my mother's hymnals with us, and we sang hymns shirtless, driving too slow in a van, taking our time, stopping at every lake we could see, just trying to figure out who the heck we were, where we were going. We we made it pretty far, you know, for for a few reasons. We came back home because. Mm-hmm. Mainly because I think Seth is wise enough to know like that's the amount of adventuring we should do right now. And yeah. So we came. I back think people home. who know Seth will probably be surprised at the story anyway. Yeah, he's a well, he's a lot more adventurous than than he seems like. But we did that, and then we we came back, and I landed uh, in community with some cool songwriters and cool musicians and stuff, and and just kept plugging away at it. Started another band, and you know. How long were you here in Amarillo before About, you moved? About a decade, I believe, maybe a little more. What was I mean? What was the music scene like around here at that point? I mean, did it did it feel to you like something that you could pursue that you might find a career in, or um, did it still feel like yeah you weren't sure? If I was going to stay here, my career would have looked different than than I had ambitions for. So I came in on the tail end of like the Golden Light had had a really big Texas country kind of scene for right. a while, and was really important for like cross-Canadian ragweed kind of really got one of their first big hubs going at the Golden Light here, I think. Um, so there were a lot of bands like that, uh, Coup de Gras and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of right after that, and that scene had kind of faded away, but there was still all this infrastructure as far as the bar and the sound guy, and they wanted to have shows. And it was still, you could you could draw a good crowd, but it wasn't the heyday. Um, then you had guys like Mike Fuller. You Mike Fuller? Right who's incredible songwriter. Still playing. I mean... Now, I would love to just catch a show with that guy. He, he's incredible. Um, and he was playing like OHMS and stuff like that and making his way around town. And so there were a few bands, and but it wasn't... There was nobody talking about it. There wasn't... Necess- I mean, I'm sure there was, but not big enough maybe to make a difference. There, was, there wasn't a magazine or a blog or a podcast, which is integral 
to trying to build a thing. You need people talking about it and telling you this, check this out. This is right. good because kind of the disposition often can just turn into like, Oh, there's a band. Okay. Are they good? I don't know. Well, that's the tone. There it is. Yeah. But if somebody's going, Hey, check this out. This is a really big deal. And we, we matter because we matter, you know? And, and that was like pre social media. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a different, there just wasn't as yeah. much of a way to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, there were, there were champions in the scene, but not, not to the level that it probably needed. And it was hard to be cohesive and, you know, and so uh, I didn't see myself being able to do what I wanted to do from here. And part of that's just a symptom of, I think we all have at some point in our life, like, oh, well, you know, I'm just from nowhere. And it's like, which is just the dumbest thought Mm -hmm. um, that I've been able to finally rid myself of. I think this place is beautiful and you could do a lot of great things here. But that kind of thing is, I've seen it in all kinds of communities, people going, no, I, I believe in this. I'm going to stay right here and do my thing. Looking back, maybe I could have, maybe I could have seen the world differently. But at the time I thought I needed to go to Austin or I needed to go to Nashville and I wasn't wrong. You know, you can do a lot from here. And then like the, the internet has made a lot of that more possible and developing a regional scene is, is a really strong thing to do anyway. They're doing it in Lubbock, yeah. you know, in spades. Um, but the producers, the access to a certain caliber of musicians, and there's some of those here, but not by the thousands, you know. There's not a... And, and I know that people have recording capabilities here now, and they did a little bit then, but it's still hard to compare that to Nashville. Where you when go. did you go to Nashville? Oh, man, I'm bad at math, but it's that's been about 10 years ago. So whatever year it is now, okay. 10 years ago. The A story that... I don't know that people might, if they were writing a really nice and neat story, it would be the kind of thing where, you know, a, a local singer songwriter moves to Nashville and, and kind of hits it big immediately, new environment, stuff like that. And I know that that, like, that wasn't even necessarily part of your story. You still kind of had to work odd jobs and, and do yeah, man, that I'm kind still, of stuff on the side. Yeah, I'm still, well, this year's been weird anyway, but yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, if I laugh, I'm like, hit it big. I, I'd like to talk to this guy. Who is he? Yeah. Um, but it, I have had a lot of success and have been very fortunate to get some attention. Um, but yeah, I, there's a, there's so many misconceptions because the guys that some guys kind of shelter that part of their image a little bit. Like some of the biggest people I know are still working odd jobs, and you you just think they're they're flying high. But the music industry is a mess, and royalties are a mess, and streaming royalties are a mess. And yeah. so you could be a household name, and you still might have to work. I don't know. So yeah, I went there and hung out for a few years and, and you know, I made like an EP, but I, I used guys that I already knew from here. So it was kind of hilarious um, that I went to Nashville, used guys from Amarillo, you know, and I made something I'm really proud of, but I still hadn't found what I was doing. You know, I hadn't found my voice or whatever however you want to say it. And then um, I went to a record label and the record, la- <laughs> the record label was a guy from here. Hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm the last guy that got a record deal this way. I'm pretty sure I went and knocked on his door. He said, what do you want? <laughs> you know, I said, hey, I'm not going to bother you. I introduced myself. I said, we know some of the same people. He was he was kind. He said, well, we talked for two minutes about the people we knew in common from Amarillo. And then he literally just said, so what do you want? You know, he knew I wanted something. I said, I don't need anything, just a name. Who should mix what I'm doing? I need a I need a good mix engineer, and I know that you know who that is because I know the records you're putting out. 
um, I need that introduction. You know, I know you're working with the people that I want to work with. And so he said, send me what you got. Have a good day. You know, he was on a Skype meeting. I'm, I'm fairly certain he was, he was looking at the, the screen that he hmm. was on going, uh, this kid just walked in. Yeah, he just popped just, in. Yeah, just a second. How, how, you know, who's doing this kind of thing at this point? Just walking into this guy's office. But he sent me, you know, he connected me with this guy, Nielsen Hubbard, and he mixed that EP. And in the process of mixing that EP, I was like, hey, can I show you a song? You know, and I showed him a song and another song. And over the course of three different days that we met up to listen to the mixes he was doing, I showed him probably 25, 35 songs. And he's like, we're making a record. I was like, well, I mean, I think this is an EP and this is another EP. And maybe, and he's like, no, 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 no. This is a record. We're going to make a record. I I thought about these songs, and I was just talking to my friend about the same thing. How did how did I turn a corner? And I turned a corner because, but I didn't know that what I was doing was enough. I thought I need to write these big giant anthems. I'm having this love affair with these little tiny songs that I'm mm-hmm. writing in my bedroom that nobody will ever hear. But I'm on the other side of my mouth. I'm trying to write these big songs that will appeal to people. And he would, you know, he shined the light on those little tiny songs. He basically held up a mirror and said, that's enough right there. You're enough. You're doing it already. You're doing it already. So let's just record it. And so we did, and which in that process looked way different than I had ever imagined. And it was way more casual and just like sitting down, you know, playing songs for a friend. We recorded it and then it became Flylands and he sent it back to that record label from the guy that's from Amarillo, mm-hmm. Logan Rogers. Um, and he took a chance on me. And, you know, I'm not with that label, I should say. I'm not with that label anymore. Um, but I love them. They're, they're fantastic. And uh, they're really supportive at a time. You feel like that was kind of the turning point? That was definitely a turning point. In fact, I'd like some of the, I took most of that other stuff off the internet, hmm. you know, whatever. It's like, I'm I'm proud of it, but there was just such a marked difference. And there, you know, maybe I should put that stuff up and people, people could see the progression from one album to the next album until Flatlands. But, uh, you know, if you're going to, you know, if you want to have a first introduction, let it be that, let it be Flatlands. One of the songs from that era is actually called Amarillo. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about that one. I mean, well, I played that song in Amarillo before I moved and it was a different arrangement and I had a band here. And so it was like a, big electric affair with, you know, shimmering guitars and stuff. And I loved the way we did it, but it didn't maybe cut to the bone as close. It didn't have the sadness in it, you know, um, that is, that is in there lyrically. Mm-hmm. And so we stripped a lot away and just let the song be the song. And so, but I remember playing it here and somebody being offended uh, because it just says Amarillo's a waste of time. And right. the point of the song is that it's not. Yeah, if you don't pay attention, though, it, yeah, yeah. it, it can co- come yeah. across as negative. you got to listen to the That's a lot of my life, though. It's yeah. like, you know, trying to make a joke. It's like, I was a jerk. It's like, no, 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 I'm telling you I love you. I'm telling you I love you. I just said it backwards, you know. that that's, a, that's been the thing. with I played a show in Lubbock last night, and I played Amarillo, and there's these kids from Dumas, you know, and uh, yeah, they're like, yeah, I go, you know, Amarillo is just a waste of time. If you're listening to this and you're like, what is he talking? Go listen to the song. I love Amarillo. But uh, these kids were like, yeah, Amarillo sucks. Dumas sucks. There was another kid from my hometown in Perryton. Perryton sucks. I was like, you idiots moved to Lubbock and you think you've left? Yeah. Like, I just finally, I got, they were, they were being kind of a pain in the butt. 
So I just kind of lost it for about a half second. I was like, you'd slit your own dad's throat, wouldn't you? You would. Look at you. And I, that's, sorry, I'm getting in my feelings about it again. Yeah. And I'm like, how, how dare you guys? Listen, put your beer down and listen for a second. But there's always been a little bit of a weird thing playing that song in this area because people elsewhere can hear that this is a love song. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a defensiveness here, though. Yeah, I, I think when, and rightly so, you know, like protect your, protect your place. Throw your fist up. It's good, uh, you know. If you came into my house and started talking about my wife that way, I'd, yeah. I'd throw my fist up too. So I get it. I appreciate that. That's part of what I love about it, and that's part of what I was engaging with in that entire record was that, you know, our propensity to throw our fist up. And that can be a really good thing, but it can also separate you from, you know, things you don't want to be separated from, you know. The, uh, I mean, th- that, that's a real obvious example. You named the, the song after the city. Um, but I, I know that this area has infiltrated your songwriting, yeah. you know, in a lot more ways, mm-hmm. some of them more subtle. And I, I wonder if you can, if you can talk about that, you know, moving out of here to a place like Nashville, which obviously is going to have some influence. It can't help but have some influence. Sure. I mean, what has, what, what did growing up in this area, growing up in Perryton, being exposed to the scene in Amarillo, how did that kind of inform your songwriting? I was driving through like uh, those little towns on I-27 on the way to Lubbock yesterday. And I was just like, that personality in a small town like that, just like your family feels different than my family feels next to me. So if you grew up in my house, you'd be a different man. You just would be. And there's nothing you can do about it. And the same thing, if you grew up in Perryton, you would feel a little bit of Perryton on you. you know. And if you go down there to Abernathy, you know, that's going to feel a little different too. Mm-hmm. And so... You can get that as micro as you want to and as macro as you want to. We're Americans. We have all this in common, right? Uh, and then you can drill down a little further and it's like, oh, we're Texans. Okay, well, that's a different thing. You know, you go up to Jersey, that's a different thing. And it, so I, I, it's hard to say how it's changed me. It's, it'd be easier to find how it hasn't defined who I am, you know, because it's, it's pervasive. And I'm comfortable with a lot of space, I'm comfortable looking at things that the next person might not think is beautiful and just being patient, looking at it. Go out and watch, you know, go out and watch a sunset. Mm-hmm. You know, go out there an hour early. That hour's, it's a long time. And it might not feel like the most beautiful thing in the world is coming. And then all of a sudden, there it is, you know. And that's something you learn here, right? And appreciating a tree. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <Well, laughs> there ain't a lot of them and... And it's funny, I was looking at the trees. I'm staying with my friend um, while I'm here, Gabe Hansen, and I was driving to his house, and there's some beautiful trees, but most of them aren't. Most of them are just hanging on. Mm-hmm. And I know that the people, that guy's out there watering that thing, taking the they're taking pride in that tree. And, and so I feel like that kind of thing is uh, in my songwriting and which is hard. It's hard to sell my songs sometimes, you know, like to get people to fall in love with it because it's like, no, 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 you need to listen. Mm-hmm. Listen again, listen again. Take time and look at that tree. Wait for that sunset. It's in there. But man, when people get it, they get it and they're in there for life. But it's not like you turn it on and instantly people are like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've had people come up to me plenty of times and be like, man, first two times I listened to your record, I was like, what are you doing? And then the third time something clicked. And I can't stop. And that that's really rewarding, you know. And I feel like, you know, there's all these metaphors that could go out into relationships. And 
caring for yourself, you know, waiting to see that sunset in yourself, you know, and aging and the beauty's coming Mm -hmm. and, and it's not just the beauty's coming and it will arrive, but the process to getting to that beauty is, is beautiful too. And learning to see that in yourself and the way you're aging and giving yourself grace. And so it's, I mean, I've gone way too far into thinking about this stuff. But. Is I mean, is is that process though? I mean, as opposed to like a songwriter who writes a song and the meaning of the song is just right there on top. It's real yeah. easy to understand. Sure. Is there something that feels more important to you about the fact that your your fans maybe you have to listen three or four times and then they get it? It's not there at the surface, so they've got they've got to interact a little bit more with the song in order to really yeah feel you know what you're feeling. And and so it's it's that same thing. It's that process. You got to wait for the beauty a little bit. Does that, does that feel like an accurate way to describe it? Yeah, sometimes. And I'm also a little full of it. Like sometimes people just dig it and that's mm-hmm. cool, you know, and instantly they get it. Some people are familiar with this kind of like, you know, um, certain archetypes in songwriting. So if you're listening to Towns Van Zandt, you're not going to have a hard time being patient for me. You're probably going to think I'm a pop singer, you know. Right. <laughs> um, so there's like a little Overton window for music too, you know. Um, but yeah, I feel like when I meet people that are resonating with with what I do, then I obviously think it's weird. I think highly of them, you know. And it's hard to say that. Like, but I I feel and we all we all love our own thing to a degree, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, or in our we all love our people, I should say, you know. And so it it's cool because it. When I meet somebody that, that that resonates with, I know that those are my people. Like, and they, you know, it's an instant kind of camaraderie. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Tell, tell me about your new single, because I know that that's been pretty splashy. I know it's got um, an Emerald connection because local artist Brittany Bush, you know, collaborated yeah. with you on the yeah. cover, um, a friend of mine. Tell me, tell me how that came about. Deciding to, you know, to cover the uh, the Nine Inch Nails song. Well, it was like, you know, I think in Nashville, we probably locked down a little harder than Amarillo did. It was my guess. I know that Amarillo really had a hard time at some point. We locked it down early, yeah. and then it was a, then it was it was a was, quick escape from that, I think. Yeah. Uh, we locked down long and hard, you know. Some people did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like two worlds there, too. Because there was also, the, yeah, I think everywhere all over America, there's people that are like, well, you never stopped. It's like, well, you probably should have just chilled out for a minute, um, but not to judge anyone. So there was a lot of time at home. Um, all my work went away because everything I do, you know, was was shut off immediately. Like, yeah, like this is the first job. time you've gone back on tour. Yeah, yesterday was the first show I've, I've really played um, since COVID began or whatever. So, so, you know, that weird delirium you get into at your house and, and you're a Three in the morning because you don't have a schedule anymore. Yeah. Kids do whatever they want. Do whatever you want. Go in the backyard, go crazy. It's been a lot of beautiful time with my family. I was able to connect with um, my younger children. It, it, you know, your first child you connect with instantly. Right. Your fourth child, it takes a second. You don't have so as much time. Yeah. We, got, we were able to bridge that gap, and they're just so close now. But there's also that weird delirium where you're, like, Googling all this stuff about, like, COVID and conspiracy, you're like, what is happening? And then all the riots started going off and, and all those sorts of things. And it's really disorienting. Uh, and so I'm up in the middle of the night trying to write songs. And just just 
trying to write my own songs and I keep playing this Nine Inch Nails song. It just keeps coming back over and over and I'm playing it really country. Mm-hmm. Way more country than the actual... Which, as I mean, it was effective for Johnny Cash, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It just kept happening. It just kept, you know, crack open a beer, sing Nine Inch Nails over and over and over and I was like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Playing Nine Inch Nails and uh, I think the song is amazing. It's It's... It's one of the songs you probably shouldn't touch, you know. Um, but I touched it, and I thought it was pretty cool, so I sent a voice memo to my friend who was living in L.A. Him and Aubrey Sellers were both living in L.A., and they were passing that thing around, and they were like, whoa, this is something. And I was like, really? And um, they kept making me sing it higher and higher and higher and higher. So I was just I was in my utility room at that point so because i was the higher i got the louder i got yeah so the kids were sleeping so i'm just in my utility room just with washer and dryer making voice memos and just sending them and they just kept loving it and then aubrey wanted to sing on it and i was thrilled because if you haven't heard aubrey sellers sing oh my gosh it's beautiful so when she was on board and then my friend ethan ballinger was like let's do this and he's an amazing producer and then we roped in Megan McCormick, who's an amazing producer. They're all amazing musicians, crazy good. And they just, we started flying that track back and forth and working on it. You know, the internet made that possible. Mm -hmm. We were all locked down in different places. And next thing you know, we've got something we're pretty proud of. Has the reception to it been surprising? Uh, It's hard to say. I thought it was pretty good from the jump. So I was, I believed in it. Um, The label to put it out believed in it. So I wouldn't say surprising, but relieving. You know, okay. Like, you're like, I think it's This really is good. as good as we thought yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, But I've also got like hate, you know, which I, I'm like, yeah. Like how dare you kinds of stuff. Yes. And I agree with those people. How dare we? Yeah. I feel the it's same audacious, way. It's audacious, like, but don't we did be it anyway. Don't playing that song. What are you doing? What are you going to cover Stairway next? You know, what are you doing? But we did it. And I, I felt like it was really great. And so I'm not pulling back. You know, I, I you know, I, I went and touched the fine china. My mm-hmm. hand, my fingerprints are all over it. How dare you? Yeah, okay. I touched my dad's guitars when he told me not to. You know, there's a lot more. You can take that metaphor a lot further too. I, I I'm always interested in when when you think about covers, and I know that's not your thing because you write your own songs. But when when you take songs from one genre and you cover it and transform it in another genre, a lot of times that allows you to to see the song differently. Yeah. You know, we've seen it when pop artists, you know, cover a rap song or something, and you're like, oh, this song is a lot more lyrical or yeah. melodic than I thought it was. Oh, I'm wearing a Lydia Loveless t-shirt right now, and um, she's also got it. She's an amazing voice. She covers Justin Bieber's Sorry. Right. And it is gorgeous, and it's heartbreaking. You're like, oh, my gosh. And people are like, Justin Bieber's not talented. Go listen to that song when she covers it, you know. Well, like when Ryan Adams covered a whole Taylor Swift album, and I think it legitimized Taylor Swift as a songwriter because they heard it in a different format. I, I wonder if 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 you go into it thinking this is going to be interesting because we're kind of shifting genres and and that's going to add a little bit more depth to something, or if you felt for me it just resonated with the hell we were going through. Okay, and it was and all the you know. The fascism on both sides, the fascism from the fascists and the fascism from the anti-fascists. They're mm-hmm. all fascists. Quit yelling at each other. You can't tell everybody what to think. And 
uh, and then the COVID stuff and the, and the, you know, whatever. We could probably edit this out. I don't need to get political. But I just, everybody yelling at everybody and the corporate takeover of America and all that, you know, we're all watching it happen. It's all like, whoo, what is happening? I don't even like talking about that because I don't want to put that on the song. It all, it just bubbled bubbled out of me as I watched what was happening around me, you know, in my town, in my region, across the country, across the world. And I didn't know those lyrics. I was just singing that chorus and then I had to pull up the verses. And then you're like, you know, whoa, like the second verse, God money's not looking for the cure, not concerned with the sick among the pure. Let's go dancing on the backs of the bruise. God money's not one to choose. So I think that's pretty relevant. It, it feels a little applicable. And it's like, and it was almost too much. I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't know this was going to be so on the nose, but you're watching some of the moves and you know, you're like, okay, like, there's a lot to be, there's an argument on both sides and I want to get into it. But like when you're like, vaccine patents and stuff you're like come on man like well, what are we talking about like um and like i said i've always been apt to throw my fist in the air too so yeah. let's throw them in the air and see what happens but also producing it in a way that was beautiful and you could get into people's hearts a little bit because you know my mom's not gonna listen to nine inch nails and and even when people do they might not hear those lyrics and so Again, I don't want to make the song political by any means, but I think by the nature of it, it is. I, I want to close this section by asking you about coming back to Amarillo. And I know that um, you come back from time to time. If you're touring, if you've got a show, you've still got friends and family. Um, does it feel different than it was when you left yeah, 10 or 15 you years ago? And maybe it's just my, from my own eyes. Maybe it's my problem. I don't want to project it on everybody, but that... There's that temptation not to believe that this is great, you know? I hate, you know, where are you from? Oh, I'm from the middle of nowhere. No, you're not. Like, you're from paradise. This is beautiful. And so for me, when I come back, I feel like this city and this region is embracing itself, but maybe it always was, and I couldn't see it for my own It took a different stuff. perspective, I guess. To- yeah. But then you also see some of the people like staying here and starting businesses and just investing in it. And you're like, oh, there's something to it, you know. And I maybe that's a trend. Maybe I'm just seeing it for the first time, you know, or over the last since I left. But it's cool to see people love being here. You know, look, you got Hey Amarillo, right? Well, that's there's a statement just by opening that conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, you're saying you believe in it. You know, saying there's this is worth talking about. So that's that's what I see is like people investing in their own community and and you know that whole thing all over the world, all over America, like people believing they got to leave to find opportunity. And sometimes it's the case. I found a lot of good things out there that you can build a beautiful life right where you're from, and think that maybe that's the way to go. You know. This episode is brought to you by the Texas Outdoor Musical. We are a month into the Texas Panhandle summer, and I need you to know this one thing. No summer in Amarillo is complete if you have not attended this musical at Paladuro Canyon. It's got music, dancing, pioneers, fireworks, horses, an outdoor amphitheater, romance, Tucker Yeldale, uh, the canyon walls lit up at sunset. It's got everything. The season is underway, and it's better than ever. This family-friendly show runs every day of the summer, except for Mondays, all the way until the middle of August. 
Now, don't forget, you can also reserve dinner at the amphitheater before the show. It's courtesy of Feldman's. You can get your dinner and performance tickets now at texasshow.com. That's texas-show.com. You can choose your seats online, and it starts at a little more than $20 per show ticket. Go to texasshow.com. This episode is also sponsored by SKP Creative, a full-service agency using traditional and digital marketing strategies. They focus on data-driven communication strategies to share your story and connect with your audience. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, SKP launched a Google and Facebook campaign for a new client. And a few days after that, they got this celebratory email from the client saying, wow, our phone has started ringing. It's totally because of what you are doing with Facebook. So that client was ready to do more because the campaign had worked. It had been successful. Visit skpcreative.com today and learn what they can do for your business. SKP Creative, make it happen. Okay, I'm back with Ryan Colwell. Ryan, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes at least eight artifacts from the Red River War. Uh, You can learn more about that at panhandleplains.org. So, Eight Straight, I'm going to ask you most of the same questions I ask all my guests. Okay. I know you don't live here full time, so I, I hope you can. Uh, you still got some opinions that, that you can share here, and and I want to start uh, with one that I don't ask very often, but I, I want to ask it of you. What's your favorite music venue in Amarillo? I mean, it's, it has and always will be the Golden Light Cantina on Sixth. I know they got a new thing, but I laid my roots down in the Golden Light over there. Why? What? What's so? legendary about that as a venue i mean as a restaurant obviously it's been on route 66 for decades but tell me tell me about playing there uh well it's casual you know it's just formal enough and just casual enough and they accepted me when i you know i didn't know where i was gonna play and they're like come play you know just jump on they just threw me on the bills and there were there was um there were a few songwriters there jeff what jeff williams do you know jeff williams yeah yeah, you know, and they would let me open up all the time and give me advice and just made me one of them a little bit, and and I I still like you know, the Arcadio books the shows mm-hmm. and his name and, and his number hasn't changed in all these years, and I just, you know, when I wanted to play, I just get a hold of Arcadio. There he is, and and they still love me, and I still love them. And it's one of the few venues in Amarillo that really has a reputation outside this area. Yeah. I mean, you can go to Nashville and people yeah. have heard of the Golden Light or have played at the Golden it's Light. Fantastic, yeah. What does this area have too much of? Wind, but also not enough. You know, like um, I was talking to some farmer a few years ago. And I was like, oh, it's windy. He's like, ah, population control. It's fine. All right. I believe in that too. <laughs> you know, that's a good perspective on it that uh, we've, we've learned to endure it here. Uh, if you're not quite as hardy, maybe you, you won't. It separates the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. What, what does this area not have enough of? Rain. I mean, this is the obvious things to say. I don't know, but uh, rain. <laughs> okay. Rain. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of like, uh, what does it not have enough of? It doesn't have enough of me. I need to come home more often. Okay. And some people would probably agree with that. <laughs> some people, maybe, maybe, some people maybe would, more people. That I, I some people would say well, that's the thing we have too much yeah. of. Too much rain. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? If, if they're asking where you came from. Well, I always have to, I, where are you from? I'm from the Texas Panhandle. Where's the, like down by Houston? No. And I 
point my finger in the air, you know, and make the shape of Texas, and I have to literally point and say, Amarillo's right here, you know. Um, and and But I do, like, if you describe Amarillo to people, which often involves the weather because it's such a prominent mm-hmm. feature and the landscape, I, I always tell people, like, I know you think I'm exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. It's this flat. Mm-hmm. It's this hot. It's this cold. What? Cold? Yeah. The wind literally blows this long and this hard, and, and people are just like, "I maybe I'm insecure about it, but I, like, I think I think they think I'm lying." Yeah, no, the can't extremes blow, are real. Exaggerating. You can't blow for sixty miles an hour for this. Yes, it can. You know, what's your favorite local neighborhood? I don't even know the names of the local neighborhoods. You know, me and my wife used to own a house on Lipscomb Street. Okay. Um, and we were fond of that place while we were there. I don't know what it's like now, you know. And Lipscomb a, Street is a long street. It's oh, sitting. well, it wasn't the cool, it wasn't the nice side. Okay. It was our side. All right. Uh, and it was just a little tiny house. We were, it was our first home, and we bought it from our friends, and we were really proud of it. And, you know, I chased my dog down that street a million times when she got away. I just, I, I'll probably drive by it, Okay. you know, at some point while I'm here. See, see what's changed. Yeah, I think it's the 40th block, Lipscomb right. Street. What's your favorite local restaurant? I should have a definitive answer on this because I'm sure there's somebody I know that's running a local restaurant, and I should be um, really on it. That I'm going to say Palace Coffee, even though it's not a restaurant. Okay. Shout out to Patrick Burns, who helped me book all those first shows. Did he really? Yeah. Way back then. He was like, listen, I'm going to help you. And so... Uh, People ask me, what is it, what's your favorite coffee? You get these kind of questions, or what people talk about coffee. It's like, there are some amazing coffee shops in Nashville, Tennessee, and a Palace beats every single one of them. Hmm. You take your barista parlor and shut it down. I don't care. Palace is better. That's so, good to know. Y'all should know that. You have the best coffee I've ever had. What's one thing you miss most about the Texas Panhandle, about living here? Oh, man, I miss my friends. miss my mama. And there's no substitute for it. Stay home. Stay home. And when was the last time you visited Paladuro Canyon? Uh, it's been a while, but I'm playing in Turkey, Texas um, during this run that I'm on at some point, and uh, I'm going to go take a literal run in that canyon okay. with my sunscreen. All right. I'd do it early or do it late. Yeah, that's know? actually going to happen tomorrow. I know okay. this podcast is coming out later. but All right. Well, yeah, don't stay up too late tonight then. Well, I'm going to. <laughs> All right, Ryan, that concludes the eight straight oh, questions. Oh, eight? Wow. Yeah, that's all eight. We rolled okay. through them fast. Um, I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. Typically, it's about this area, mm-hmm. but I want to give you the freedom to do whatever you want. So what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? Um, there's, there's a couple of poets here that I think are important. Um, Cheryl Hammonds and Seth Wick are they're writers. They're mm-hmm. real writers. You have real writers here. They're not local kids doing okay. They're real writers doing beautiful things that will help you discover insights about yourself, your community, the place you're from, and where you can go as, as you know, in your spirit and your life. And I think they deserve a lot of attention. Um, and it's coming. They're both doing a lot of work. Uh, so when they say they're doing something, have the guts to go Watch somebody read poetry. Mm-hmm. It's strange at first. It takes a palate adjustment. You're like, read poetry? What is this? It's amazing. It's helpful. They love you. You'll love them. And that's those are two really interesting examples because, you know, on one hand, Shara's working in academia. You know, she's a writer mm-hmm. in residence at WT. And Seth is teaching English, 
you know, at, at Boys Ranch. And so it, it just kind of shows that you can find success in a, a place like that yeah. in two very different spheres. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, like back to Brittany Bush. It's like you've got a local art teacher and, you know, she did that cover for us. It's in Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. So like, you know. Teaches art to middle schoolers. Yeah. And just as happy to do it and happy to be part of what I'm doing. And, you know, um, everything you're looking for is right here. Ryan Colwell, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Ryan for being my guest on a busy day between shows. I really appreciate it. You can find his music at ryancolwell.com. It's on Spotify. It's everywhere else. Thanks also to my friend Angelina Marie for editing this podcast every week. And I also want to say thanks to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for sponsoring 8 Straight. And to the show sponsors for this week, the Texas Outdoor Musical, SKP Creative, and Blue Handle Publishing. As always, this podcast exists every week because of listeners like you and the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash Hey Amarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Jess Heredia, Katie Linger, Jason Burr, Barbara and Jim Witten, Corey Burns, Chris Elda, Josh Wood, Patrick Burns, Wilson Lemieux, and Wes Reeves. This has been episode 203. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.